Welcome to Walk Through the Bible, Susan Michaels' 12-month journey through the most exciting book on the planet. It will transform your life one page at a time. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes that will ignite your faith and bring your Bible to life. Now, let's join our host, Susan Michael. Hey there, welcome back. This is Walk Through the Bible, week 39. We read this week from the dates of September the 24th to the 30th, or pages 1238 to 1226 in the Daily Bible. So last week we had the exciting development that King Cyrus of Persia allowed the first group of exiles to come back. And within two years, they had rebuilt the foundations of the temple. And um, so this week now, we are going to end the ministry of Daniel, and then we're going to continue with the rebuilding of the temple there in Jerusalem. So let's go back to uh, ancient Babylon, now Persia, and see what happens here at the end of Daniel's ministry. So right about the same time the foundation has been laid uh, in Jerusalem, Daniel is in Persia and he is fasting for three weeks. And an angel comes to him uh, with a message and and he he tells him, it's a very well-known passage, many of us have read this over the years many times, where the angel says, look, I would have come when you first started praying three weeks ago, but I was detained by the prince of Persia. And uh, Michael had to come and help me. And, uh, and so here I am. But when I have to go back and continue this fight with the prince of Persia. And so it's like, what? And um, so, you know, it seems like here that the, the Lord is allowing Daniel to see that there is a a spiritual reality. It's every bit as real as what we see here on earth. And in fact, I think that what happens here on earth is very much a reflection of what is happening spiritually. And for many of us, we just go about our daily lives thinking everything about the natural, about today, about about food, about sleep, about taking care of this and all in the physical. And, um, and it's moments like this in reading Daniel that we need to re, uh, remind ourselves that there's a very, very spiritual reality out there. And, um, and so as this vision is talking about politics, really, and the fall of Persia to the Greece and this and that, um, it shows us, though, that there is this spiritual realm. And, um, and in this um, long vision, the, uh, Daniel talks about this uh, contemptible king, that he comes and like against God's holy covenant. And it describes how that he goes down to fight the king of the south. And then on his way back through, he stops and um, fights against the Holy Covenant. Well, this is really a very good description of what happened later under Antiochus Epiphanes uh, IV. And so uh, we'll get to that story in a few weeks from now, Um, but the story really does take place the way Daniel sees it here. Um, Now, I I do want to mention here that in Daniel 
12, verse 4, um, it refers here about that this is set for a time of the end. And it says that in verse 4 that many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Well, if ever there was a description of this point in the history of the earth, it is this description that we are all running here and there, flying everywhere, traveling everywhere, running everywhere, seeking knowledge because this is the information age. And whereas our earth has gone through many different seasons of development, and we've gone through the Iron Age and the Bronze Age and the, the this age and the that age and the Industrial Revolution and all these phases of history, now we are in the information age. And it just so happens that the information age goes with technology and technology allows for much greater travel than the earth has ever seen before. I mean, we're getting into these metal tubes and we're flying all over the earth. It really is quite amazing when you stop and think about it. And so when Daniel refers to the end, uh, the time for the end, uh, and describes it this way, I can't help but think that that means we're in the end time. Now, um, it's here that we see the ministry and the voice of Daniel come to an end. And in Daniel 12, uh, at the end, thir verse 13, it says, As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. So uh, the Lord is telling Daniel here, you know, you're going to finish out your days. You're going to die, which is probably what rest means. Um, but you will be raised again um, at a certain time to enter into eternity. And this is the end of Daniel's ministry. We don't hear from Daniel or of Daniel uh, anymore. Now, at the same time that Daniel has probably been having this final vision and this final word from the Lord, we have the exiles are back in the land. A few of them went back and began rebuilding the temple. And last week we finished the foundation of the temple. And I laugh because it said that uh, they were weeping just as loud um, as they were rejoicing over it because they missed the splendor of the first temple and of the previous Jerusalem. Uh, so this week we read about the building of the temple, the rest of the temple. And in Ezra four through six, um, you know, this is now 16 years after uh, Cyrus has made his decree and there is still no temple. Because what happened is after they laid the foundation, then the people got very busy building their own houses. I mean, they needed place to, places to live. They needed to plant crops. They needed to fix up the broken down vineyards and, and, and provide for themselves. But, you know, months become years and years become decades. And here it is 16 years later. And no one's worrying about building the temple. And this is where we have the prophets Haggai and Zechariah come into place. And they begin to speak to this. 
And they speak to it as apathy in the people about the things of God. And, um, and so they begin rebuilding, and then they suffer opposition to the rebuilding. And finally, uh, King Darius has to go and research the annals to find that King Cyrus had issued this decree, because once it's decreed, it's decreed. And so uh, this allowed for the building of the temple to be restarted after they had had this opposition to it. So, um, and not only do they allow it to be rebuilt, but that they reaffirm that Persia is going to pay for the rebuilding of the temple. So now let's look at the prophet Haggai. And um, so he begins to prophesy. It's now been 16 years since Cyrus's decree, and so it's now 520 B.C., and he, his book begins to address the apathy of the people and that God is not pleased with this. And it says here that the prophet Haggai and the governor Zerubbabel and the high priest Joshua speak to the people, that the Lord speaks through them. So here for the we see here coming together and being resurrected and raised up the ministry of prophet, priest, and king, except that you're not going to have a king at this time because Persia, another empire, they're not going to allow you to have a king, but they will allow you to have a governor. So we have here the prophet, priest, and governor, and they speak to the people and, um, and they rebuke the people for saying that now's not the time to be rebuilding the temple. And they address this as apathy and not doing what God has called them to do. And so here it says that God's blessing has not been on the people, that their, their crops haven't been doing well, their provision hasn't been there, their income hasn't been there, and it's because they have not tended to the house of the Lord. So the people responded and said, okay, and the Lord says, well, I am with you. And the work begins on the rebuilding of the temple. And then in Haggai 2, verses 1 through 9, he begins to deal with the discouragement of the people. You know, it's very hard work, and it is very discouraging because they, they know the grandeur of the first temple. And they have this opposition uh, sometimes from some of the outsiders there. And so, so the prophet here deals with their discouragement. And he says here, uh, to Zerubbabel to not be fearful and to not be discouraged. And in a way, it kind of mirrors the language that we read back in uh, Exodus to Moses and in uh, Deuteronomy and in Joshua to Joshua, where the Lord says, do not be fearful and to have courage and be strong because I am with you. And this is the same kind of language that he was using to Zerubbabel, the governor here, it was to be strong and to fear not, to not be discouraged because I am with you. And that there is a day when the glory of this house, he says, will be greater than that of the former house. Wow, that's quite a promise. Now, God's provision is then tied to their obedience, and if they'll do what he tells them to do, he will bless them. And this is what he encourages Zerubbabel with, I am with you. 
And the message here for all of us, uh, for Zerubbabel, and that all of us can take away from this, is do not despise the day of small beginnings. Don't think that what you're doing is not important enough or it's not big enough. We are part of a magnificent tapestry throughout all of history that God has been weaving for generations and generations. And it's so important that we play our part today, that we weave our part of the tapestry for today. And if we will, God will provide. He is there with us. If we will not get discouraged and not be fearful and give up, but do our part. And one day we're going to see that we were part of something that is so much bigger than us, that the glory of this temple will be even greater than the glory of the former temple. Well, then Haggai goes into dealing with some of the sins of the people. And very interesting section here, starting with verse 10, chapter 2, verse 10, where he says that he, he, he gives this little story. And what the story that he's telling, the, the takeaway is that whereas holiness uh, doesn't just automatically spread and make other things holy, but sin spreads sin contaminates. So if you are unclean and you touch something, it, it becomes unclean. And this is a real warning, you know, for all of us that sin spreads. It's likened, it has been likened to leaven and bread or yeast. You put just a little bit of yeast in there and it begins to grow and it begins to take over the whole loaf of dough. And this is what Haggai is warning them of, to purify themselves, because any impurity makes great impurity in the end. Now, the other prophet for this period is the prophet Zechariah, and he's a contemporary of Haggai uh, in the very beginning. Um, and so he has a message here. He begins out with the message of uh, repentance. And um, Zechariah is needing to encourage the people and to give them hope. While Haggai kind of focuses on the rebuilding of the temple, Zechariah focuses a bit more on the people. And so in chapter 1 uh, with verse uh, 7 uh, through chapter 6, the prophet has a series of eight visions. And these visions... Um, are really quite interesting and um, quite complex in terms of how they kind of pair up and all. But I just want to treat the eight visions as one through eight and kind of what their message is. And so the first is that Israel is to be restored uh, in prosperity. And second vision, that Israel's oppressors will be punished. And the third vision is that God will be with his people. And the fourth vision is that the sins of the people will be removed by the branch, capital B, the uh, messenger that God is going to send. The fifth vision that God will complete the temple and uh, through two anointed ones. 
The sixth vision is that wickedness will be punished. The seventh vision, that the nations will be brought to their knees. And then the eighth vision is that at last, that there will be rest. Now, um, a very interesting section here after the visions is where Zechariah is told to put a crown on Joshua's head. Now, Joshua is the high priest. And in the past, king and priest were separate positions. And now here under the Persians or under any other conquering kingdom, you're not allowed to have a king. And so here the high priest is being crowned and the offices are in a way being brought together, which this will be important to remember this later on. Uh, when Jesus comes and we have the symbol of the Messiah as both, as both priest and king over the people. So this is a little bit of a shift in how God is going to lead his people now. And the high priest becomes very important. And so by the time of Jesus, when he comes, the high priests are very important. And they have the Sanhedrin, which acts as a government for the Jewish people, not a government that opposes or replaces the Roman authority over them. But the Sanhedrin sees to um, the the people and makes the decisions for them. And so here we see how the high priest had become so powerful. It begins here in this period. Um, and in Ezra 6.14, it says that they continued to build and prosper under the preaching of Haggai and Zechariah. So these two uh, prophets were very, very instrumental in keeping the people focused and keeping them um, in line with what God wanted, which was the rebuilding of the temple and the rebuilding of Jerusalem. And it took a lot of handholding, a lot of encouragement. But that is the role of Haggai and Zechariah. And it seems from this verse that they did a good job. So this week we read about the completion of the temple. It is finished in 516 BC. Now make a note that that is exactly 70 years since it was destroyed in 586 BC. And I find this to be so interesting. You know, we, um, we sit here and we look at the affairs of the world and we feel like they're just completely out of control. And where is God? And when we read this story and we see how God prophesied ahead of time that it would be 70 years under Babylon and that Jerusalem would be destroyed 70 years. And true to his word, Babylon only lasted about 70 years and then it's replaced by Persia. How did he do that? How did he know that? How did he bring that about? And then Jerusalem here was destroyed and it was rebuilt 70 years later. That meant that there had to be a change of empires. 
There had to be a royal decree that they could go back and build this thing. The Persians actually had to pay for the rebuilding of it. All of this, all of this, God knew from the beginning exactly how it was going to happen. And I think that, you know, we just need to take a minute and say, wow, God, you are the God of history. History is nothing but his story. God is busy at work behind this history that seems so overwhelming to us. Now, um, I want to mention about the rebuilding of the temple. Um, we are offering, we have a little DVD that we're offering for sale. Once again, this DVD was produced by our good friends at the Christian Broadcasting Network, and it's called Written in Stone um, about the temple. And so this, you can go and see the uh, the Temple Mount today, but you can also see what it would have looked like then, and you can hear about the archaeology of the first and the second temples. It's a great, wonderful little DVD, and so um, we'll put a link to it in the show notes, how you can go to our store and purchase that DVD, Written in Stone, uh, the Temple. All right, then we're going to end today and this week's reading back in the Psalms. We love when we get to read some of the beautiful Psalms. They just minister to our spirit after such history and, and uh, such events in history and, and to spend just a few minutes here back in the Psalms. So this week we read uh, Psalm 118 which is out of what's called the Hillel. And if you will remember, I already told you about the Hillel. It's a series of Psalms, Psalm 113 through 118, that were read at many of the feasts um, of Israel. And Jesus referred to Psalm 118. Um, it's referred to many times in the New Testament. So I already covered this in um, episode, what was it, week... Uh, 18. Week 18, I talked about the Hillel, so I'm not going to talk about Psalm 118 this week, although it is a really, really important psalm. And so I advise you to go back and listen to week 18 if you haven't already. And then the other psalms that we read this week, a number of them come from what are known as the Psalms of Ascent. And these were a series of psalms that were also sung at the festivals of Israel, but they were often sung while the tribes made their way from their homes up to Jerusalem, which of course could have been a trek of several days. Um, it, they also were sung uh, by the priests as they ascended the steps into the temple. So they're known as the Psalms of Ascent. But some of these psalms were also sung by the exiles on their way back to the land. And so we have some of them appearing now in this week's reading. I just want to end with a few verses from these wonderful Psalms of Ascent. And as you read through them this week, picture the exiles making their way back to Jerusalem, making their way back to the land, and repeating some of these Psalms. And they'll just try to come alive for you. But let's read Psalm 126, Verse 1, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. 
our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Wow, what a rejoicing. The Lord has restored the fortunes of Zion. They're back. They are coming back, and they're back in the land. They're back in Jerusalem. And I says, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy as they sang these songs of ascent on their way back. And then it says the Lord's name had been vindicated. Remember how we talked about that a couple of weeks ago? By, by bringing back the exiles, now it's being said amongst the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. God had vindicated his name amongst the nations. And then the psalmist says here, yes, the Lord has done great things for us and we are filled with joy. Psalm 125, the first verse, is one of my favorite in the whole Bible because I so many times have sat there looking out over Jerusalem and thought of this verse. Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people, both now and forevermore. And I'm going to end today with Psalm 128, verse 5. May the Lord bless you from Zion. And I hope that the Lord has blessed you out of Zion. And as a part of our teachings and our walk through the Bible this year, I do pray that the Lord has blessed you and blessed you right out of Zion, along with his children, the exiles who have come home. So enjoy your reading this week. I'll see you back here next week as we begin to wrap up our reading of the Old Testament. Wow, we are really making amazing progress. So be sure and look in our show notes, get your DVD about the temple. I'll see you back here next week. And until then, God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.